Okay, as I said before, Matt is part of the NCMI team. Matt leads a church in Melbourne uh, called Melbourne Lights. And uh, it's a privilege to have them here. Matt's also my son. He's not on the team because he's my son. He's not here because he's my son, though that's, that's a wonderful <laughs> byproduct. I'm a very proud father. And I got to see my grandsons this week as well, which is, which is wonderful. Uh, but we actually believe, as I shared last week, that Jesus gives gifts. And so we had some time yesterday, uh, but I believe Matt's got something to share with us that uh, I'm really excited about. I thought yesterday was fantastic, but I'm more excited for this morning. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gift that you give. We open our hearts not just to Matt and receive him, but to you. Hmm. Jesus, you give gifts. And so we want to receive your word to us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lead us into truth. Lord, where we've had uh, the wrong mindsets, where you're wanting to remodel, where you're wanting to, to change some things, we open our hearts to you. Where you're wanting to build the house different, where you're wanting to set us free from performance, whatever it is that, that you're doing in us today, we open our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Excellent. Thank you guys again for having us. What a privilege to be here um, as Tim and Kate get ordained. And just to be here with you guys, I, I, I want you to know we've been praying for you longer than you even knew. Like before you even knew this church was going to happen, we were praying for you guys. Um, we didn't know the church was going to happen, but we were praying that something would happen here. We've been praying with Tim and Kate. I've known Tim and Kate for years and years. Um, and it's just, uh, to me, it's, it's one of those, like, those joys of life that my parents have ended up with my friends, um, and now we have an excuse to come visit our friends and my parents, um, and you guys as well. And so we've been praying for you as a church. We are so excited to see what God's doing, and it's such a privilege to be here. Um, it was a privilege to get to minister yesterday and this morning. I really feel like God's given me a word for you guys as a church. Um, I feel like God wants to change this state through you. God wants to change this state through you. But I want to challenge you not to put limitations on what God can do. Sometimes we can look around and go, but we're not the biggest, or we're not this, or we're not that. Don't put limitations on what God wants to do through you as a church. Don't limit him by your past experience. Don't limit him by your comfort or your imagination or lack thereof, by your level of energy or your hurt, or even by what you say. Can, can I challenge you not to limit or, or, or put a cap on what God can do through you? Don't say we, we can only do this or we can only impact this sphere or this area. He wants to do so much more through you. Are you willing to do whatever he wants to do through you? You there? Is that all right? Was that, was that, too, was that too fast? Did we get into that a little bit too quickly? Are you desperate for his presence? I think we have to stir up a desperation. We have to get desperate, church, for the presence of God. We have to get desperate for encountering him, for, for more of him in my life, not for somebody else. It's not about looking at Steve and going, man, I really wish Steve would get desperate for more of God. No, it's about I am desperate for more of him in my life. And through what he wants to do to me, we have to get desperate. I know it's early days for Redemption Hills, and God is already moving amazingly, but he's calling you to more, and he always has. Yeah. 
This is not like, if you look around the room, and you can look around the room, it's, 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 okay. it's okay, but this isn't it. It's not like, oh, we've, we've, we've released another uh, eldership couple, now we can relax, now we can settle down. No, he's calling you to more. He's always called you to more, to greater impact, to larger spheres, to more than you can ask or imagine. And he wants you to walk in increased authority, to see the supernatural released at every level and through every life. It's time to stir up. It's time to build up our faith to believe for the fullness of what God has promised. Do you actually believe, Redemption Hills, that God can do what he said he's going to do? Do you believe that he can do what he says he can do? We have to build up our faith. We have to stir up our expectation for what God's going to do. If we're going to see breakthrough, if we're going to see more of the supernatural in our lives and through this church, if we're going to see more people encounter the presence of God, we have to understand one thing. We have to understand the power of our declaration. I want to talk this morning about the power of our declaration. Many of us have shied away. If you've been in the church for, for, for a, a period of time, you may have shied away from talking about declaration because of the whole sort of hyper-faith thing of the 70s and 80s. If you're around in the 70s and 80s, then you know what I'm talking about. I actually grew up in a church that actually sang this song in our worship time, Oh Lord, Would You Buy Me a Mercedes Benz. You know that song the Mercedes-Benz ad? That wasn't just a made-up song for the ad. They actually, I mean, that's ridiculous. Praise the Lord that we're past that. It's ob that that's obviously crazy. But the power of our words and our declaration is all through the Bible. And just because some people have taken it to a strange excess doesn't mean we should ignore the power in what we declare. You can't change your life or walk in more of the supernatural without changing the way you talk. If you want to accelerate breakthrough and increase in your life and in the life of the church, we have to change how we speak. In James 3 verse 2, it says that if you can bridle your word, you can bridle your whole body. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. See, when you understand that life is in the power of the tongue, uh, but when you understand that, we will eat the fruit of our words. We, we actually eat the fruit of the things that we declare. You have the power to release life or to release death through what you speak into your life and into your family, into your marriage, into the church, into your business, your situation, your ministry. You have the power to release life or to release death. Too often we try and think our way out of where we're at. You're stuck in a situation, you're facing something, and our natural response is to try and think our way out of that. But Jesus didn't try and think his way out of the wilderness. He spoke his way out of the wilderness. The devil comes to tempt Jesus in Matthew chapter four. And he says, if you are the son of God, he challenges his, his very identity. If you are the son of God, if God really loves you, if you're really a part of his family, then you'll do this. You'll turn these stones into bread. And Jesus didn't just stand there and go, hmm, hmm, hmm. He didn't think his way out of that. In that situation, when confronted with challenge, he spoke his way out of it. He said, no, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen. He spoke, he spoke the truth. We can't think our way out of our situation, our lack, our bondage. We can't think our way into the more that God has for us. We actually have to speak. 
We have to begin to declare some things. Can you say with me this morning, life is in the power of the tongue. Let's try it one more time. Life is in the power of the tongue. That's such a, a, that's such a powerful statement. You know, we know there's truth that there's death in the power of the tongue. I heard someone say this. For some Christians, the best thing that they could do is to stop talking. In Luke chapter 1, the angel of the Lord appears to a guy named Zechariah, and he says this, your prayer has been heard. That's, a, that's pretty cool. That's a good thing. He says, you and your wife of old age, Elizabeth, who has been barren, will have a miracle baby. They've been crying out. These are older people who should not be able to have children. This baby is going to be John the Baptist. He's going to prepare the way for Jesus. And Zechariah doesn't really believe what the angel says. He questions the angel. He says this in verse 18. How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Uh, let's hang on a second. You've been praying your whole life for a child. This is, Zechariah is a priest who ministers before God. You've been praying and crying out. And there's an angel standing in front of you <laughs> who says, your prayer has been answered. And your response is, hmm, how shall I know this is actually going to happen? There's an angel talking to you. I mean, come on, people. How much more do you want than a glorious shining angel speaking to you saying, God's heard your prayer. He's going to answer and do the, do the impossible. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. <laughs> the angel's standing there speaking to him, but he spoke from his unbelief. So rather than let him continue to speak unbelief, God closes his mouth. So he causes him to be mute for nine months until the baby's born. He couldn't speak. He had to write things down on a tablet. He, he, he couldn't communicate. And I think God caused him to be mute for a reason. Because God knew he couldn't trust him to speak around what he was doing. Because Zechariah didn't realize the power of his words. How often is this our response? Can God trust you to speak around what he's doing? Will the declaration of your mouth be truth, the promises of God, agreement with what he's saying, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's beyond our wildest imagination or expectation, or will it be unbelief in what you can see in the natural? Often what comes out of our mouth is what we see. It's right there. I mean, it seems like that's a, that's a legitimate response. We're old. We're barren. How, how are we going to have kids, but you've been praying for God to do something and he says he's going to do it. Your response is what you see in the natural rather than, yes, I agree with what you've declared in the supernatural. This convicted me as I was preparing this. Can God trust me to speak around what he wants to do in my life, what he wants to do in the church that I lead? So often we don't even realize what we're speaking over ourselves and what we're speaking over others. I mean, can God trust you to speak around what he wants to do with this church? Or will we limit what he can do because we, we, we're, 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 we're bound to what we see in the natural? God wants to re-language us. Not just as a church, but I feel like God is re-languaging the church in this nation to expect more, to declare for more, to, to, to contend for more. 
It's not a coincidence that one of the largest gatherings in the last, uh, the last 60 years is happening at the end of this year. That, and people are beginning to cry out, not for tens and twenties and hundreds, but for tens of thousands of salvations. Because God's stirring something in our nation. He's relanguaging us to declare what he's declaring and to believe for more. God wants to break off and set you free today from any tendency to curse your life through your words or to limit what God wants to do. Your words are powerful. Your declarations bring life. I want to look at six things this morning, if I can, about the power of your declaration. The first one is this, that life is in the power of the tongue. One of the greatest revelations we can ever have as believers, as leaders, as followers of Jesus is that the tongue has power to release life wherever we go. When we understand this truth, we will speak intentionally and we will eat the fruit of our past words or the, the, the things that our declarations are producing. If we believe Proverbs 18, 21, we will speak on purpose. We'll speak to others and to ourselves because we realize there's no such thing as the strong, silent type of Christian. Too many of us have believed the lie that I can be the strong, silent type. I praise in my heart. Just as an aside, so you know, you can't praise in your heart. You can have joy in your heart, but praise has to be expressed. There's life in the power of the tongue, but life is only released when you make a declaration. It's not just thinking about, oh, I'm thinking good things. Thinking good things about Josh this morning. Just thinking happy thoughts inside. No, if I'm going to release life, I've got to say something to Josh. I have to, I have to declare something. When we speak to our, uh, others and ourselves, we, 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 we become intentional when we understand this truth. Life and strength are accelerated through declarations. We need to find biblical truth and declare it over ourselves, over our kids, over our marriages, over our church. When I make a, when I make a mistake when I mess up, when I sin, I say to myself, I'm redeemed. I'm a new creation in my marriage. Let me just throw some examples out because you might be thinking, well, what do you mean? Let me show, show you some. Proverbs 19, 14. My wife is a gift from the Lord. Some of you need to begin to declare, my wife is a gift from the Lord. A man, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. Proverbs 18, 22. Husbands, as a husband, I love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, I express belief in my wife and encourage her. I have no lack of gain. Proverbs 31, 11, uh, and also verse 28 and 29. Husbands, I cover my wife with the word, presenting her holy and blameless before the Lord. Ephesians 5, 26. Wives, as a wife, I submit myself to my husband as is fitting in the Lord. My husband loves me as Christ loves the church and he give, gave himself up for her. Uh, Colossians 3.18, Ephesians 5.25. Wives, the heart of my husband trusts me. He has no lack of gain. Proverbs 31.11. Wives, I do my husband good and not evil all the days of my life. Sometimes you might think about evil and not good, but declare this over your life. Please, wives, declare this. I do my husband good and not evil. Parents, here you go. Psalm 127, verse 3. My children are a gift from God. 
The younger they are, the more you need to declare this. My children are a gift from God. My children are a gift from God. My children are a gift from God. You are a gift from God. You are a gift from God. You are a gift from God. The promise of salvation is for me and my children or for my whole household. How many of you guys need to begin to declare that again over your family? Proverbs 15 verse 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Firstly, there is life in our declaration. Secondly, words propel us to experience all that Jesus has won for us. Words propel us to experience all that Jesus has won for us. In Matthew 12, verse 37, it says, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. This verse is not talking about salvation through godly speaking. But what it's implying is that our declaration will either restrict or bless our lives. Words in agreement with God's purposes will propel us into the abundant life that Jesus promised us. Instead of setting up fences of limitation and restriction around us, we'll be able to enter into the realms of salvation that we make declarations about. You know, there's so much more that Jesus purchased for us than that we're living in right now. You are a new creation. You have a new identity. You're part of the family of God. You're a child of God and all that that entails. And it's more than what you're walking in right now. But what are you speaking over your life? Are you setting up fences or are you tearing down barriers to walking into the fullness of what Jesus has already purchased for you? 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation. I'm not tied to the past anymore. I don't have to make the same mistakes again and again and again. I have 70 years of making the same mistakes again and again. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm seated with him in heavenly places in Ephesians 2.6. I have the mind of Christ. If you struggle with depression, if you struggle with mental illness, I, I, I have so much grace for you. We need to take this scripture and say, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. And no matter how hard it is, we tell ourselves, we remind ourselves, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. It might not happen overnight. It might take 10 years or 20 years or 40 years, but you need to say to yourself every day, I have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. I am God's masterpiece. He created me anew in Christ Jesus so I can do the good things he has planned for me long ago. Ephesians 2, 10. I can do all. Can you say all? All, all things through Christ who strengthened me. Philippians 4, 13. I mean, that's just a couple of things. The words we speak release for us to walk into the fullness of what Christ has purchased for us. Thirdly, declarations are instrumental for us to enter our promised land. Joshua 1 verse 8, it says, uh, uh, God's speaking to Joshua and he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written it, for then you will make your ways, then I will make your ways prosperous, and you will have good success. Joshua is instructed to implement non-stop speaking, non-stop declaring of truth as they're making the final preparations to enter the promised land that God had given them. He's already promised them. He, uh, God didn't say this. This book of the law shall not depart from your heart. He says, it shall not depart from your mouth. 
Now, unless they went like this, I think he's talking about speaking. He's talking about declaring, about reminding the people. These are the promises of God. This is, this is who God is. This is what he's called us to. Joshua is our example to use declarations as a means of possessing the promises of God. Speak out the promises of God over your life. Speak out the promises of God, both biblical promises and prophetic promises. Speak out the promises of God over your marriage and over your kids and over the church, the things that God's spoken prophetically and the promises in his word. When was the last time you declared or spoke out the promise of God over your life or over your marriage? This morning, well done, good job. Over your kids, over your business, over the people in your life that are unsaved. Lay hold of it in prayer. So often people come to, come to me for prayer, and I, I get the privilege of preaching regularly, um, and, and we often give uh, opportunity for response. And so often people come to respond, and um, I used to say, uh, you know, what do you want prayer for? And so often, even in people saying, this is what I want prayer for, they begin to tell me all the reasons why God can't heal them of the reason, the very thing that they responded for. You know, I've had this for 20 years and I've really struggled with it and I've had prayer heaps of times and God's never really done anything. And I'm like, well, why are you responding now? The, their declaration is God's not gonna do this. I'm just responding so that you feel better after you preach. I've actually just stopped asking people what they want prayer for. I just start praying for them. I mean, you know, it, 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 sometimes they tell me anyways. And if they start to go well, get, and get into the whole thing, I just go, that's enough, just stop, cool. You got, you got a knee problem, we're gonna pray for your knee. I don't need to know how it happened, why it happened, how long you've had it, all the stuff. Just, I believe God wants to work. God's a healer. I'm gonna begin to declare healing over you. I don't need to hear about all the reasons why you think he can't do it. Because I think he can. And I don't wanna get into an argument with you right now. Let's declare the truth. Fourthly, grace is imparted when we hear life-giving declarations. Grace is imparted. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Grace is the empowerment to do God's will. We have the, the, the privilege to continually impart grace to others through our words. To, to continually empower others to do God's word through our words. I say to my boys every day, I love you. Jesus loves you. You're my son. You're God's son. I'm proud of you. You can make good choices. You can make good choices. I want to impart and speak grace over my kids. I mean, I can be like, I mean, sometimes I do catch myself going, why are you making bad choices? <laughs> and I'm like, you guys, uh, you can make a good choice. You have the ability to make good choices, son. And because we're the ones that hear our words the most, we can continually impart grace to ourself, ourselves through our words. It's one of the reasons why it's so important to share testimonies. We have to share the testimonies of what God's doing. So often we think, ah, oh, it's not that big deal. It's not a big deal. Somebody else will share. So, you know, somebody else will, you know, will, will share what God's doing. But when we declare what God's done, we impart grace to those that are listening. We stir faith for God to move in their lives. When we don't share what God's doing, 
We might be robbing someone else of the opportunity to encounter the power of God and for him to move in their lives. You know, the word testimony literally means God do it again. God do it again. I believe that when we share a testimony, there's, there's almost there's something that's released for God to do it again right then. As you share a testimony, it's like, it's like the, 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 there's an open heaven for that same miracle to happen again. People can lay hold of that and say, I want that in my life. We have to find ways. We have to create opportunity to share testimonies. And it's not just all from the front. Maybe it's in, in our connect groups. Maybe it's, you know, it's on the street. Maybe it's on our social media. How much testimony are you sharing on your social media compared with complaining about you know, why your burger didn't come on time? <laughs> One star. We have to make it easier to share our testimonies. I felt so convicted about this that we've changed the whole way we do social media as a church. I'm not saying you should do this. But we only post, we try to post the majority of things that are testimonies of what God's done. So you realize there's an opportunity to reach thousands of people with the amazing testimony of what God's doing in people's lives. Fifthly, declarations help us call those things that are not as though they are. Romans 4, uh, 4 verse 17 says this. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. In the presence of him who, whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Calls those things that do not exist as though they did. God's method of bringing life to dead places. You still with me this morning? God's method of bringing life to dead places dead people, dead nations, gifts, calls, is for someone to say it's alive while it still looks dead. Wow. The essence of faith is to believe before we see, not see to believe. When Jesus comes to the, the, the tomb with Lazarus in the tomb, he didn't say, let me go in and have a look and see if there's any life left in him. Is he, is he still breathing? No, he's not. No, he knew he was dead. He didn't go, I mean, he, I think he purposely waited because he wanted to do something crazy and, and miraculous and show that. So he says, he speaks to the guy he knows is dead and he says, come forth, Lazarus. Dead people don't hear you. He spoke life to something that was dead and when he spoke life, life came. God's way is for us to declare Life, the things that look dead. When we declare things alive that look dead, we partner with God in calling those things that are not as though they are. You might be here this morning and you say, my marriage is dead. My spouse isn't here. Will you speak life to something that looks dead? You might say, there's no way my kids can be saved. Will you speak life? To something that looks dead? You might, yeah, whatever your situation, there's no way I can be healed. Well, will you begin to speak healing over yourself? Will you speak life? The life of God will come into my body. Will you speak life before you see it? What are the dead areas in your life that you need to begin to speak over and declare life into? This is my last point for this morning. Declarations are a way to overcome anxiety and become glad. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. It's a tremendous revelation 
when we understand we can speak a good word to ourselves and change our emotions from worry to gladness. How many of you have ever experienced worry in your life? We can speak a good word over that situation today. We can speak a good word in that. Philippians uh, 4 verse 6 to 7 uh, tells us that prayer and thanksgiving create a life protected by peace. It says, be anxious for nothing. But I am anxious. Then we need to begin to declare over, we need to speak a good word over our own life. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, it doesn't make any sense, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The phrase with thanksgiving could be interpreted like this, as a type of declaration that declares with gratitude that God is working in the situations that concern us. Lord, I thank you that you're working in this situation that, 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 that is, is burdening me, that's causing me anxiety. I thank you that you are at work. I thank you that you are more powerful. That's speaking a good word over ourselves. We have the, the ability to make our own hearts glad, to actually rewire the way our brain works. Acts 6, 22 to 30, I end with this scripture. It says, the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. That is not my favorite verse in the Bible. We're not like, yes, Lord, let it be us. <laughs> I claim that one. When they had inflicted many blows upon them, not just many blows, bad. This is a bad situation. They threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them safely. How many of you feel like you've received many blows? You're in a prison place. Verse 24 says this, having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. It's even worse. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Despite being beaten with many blows, the crowd turned against them. And then being put in jail. And then being put in stocks. Being in a horrible situation. They chose to praise. They began to declare the goodness of God. It says the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately... All the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now we have a bigger problem. We've got a jailbreak. The jailer woke up, saw the prison doors were open and drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembled with, trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You will never see victory until you start praising because we can't praise and complain at the same time. And when they chose to praise and they chose to thank God in prison, calling things to life that looked like they were dead, they couldn't see a way out. The, prison, the, the jailer wasn't standing at the end of the hall with a light saying, well, I'm about to come get you. So they began to praise uh, about the imminent release. 
They'd just been beaten. They were in chains. They were not feeling good. They were in a bad place. They were at the, in the pit of pits. And they begin to praise God in the situation they find themselves in. And not only does God come and release them, but through their praise, God releases the other captives that could hear them. When we understand the truth in the power of our declaration, not only does it set us free, not only does it bring life to us and grace to us, it brings life and grace to the people around us, the people who are in prison around us, who can hear and see what we've gone through and then see God move. He sets the other, uh, the other people free. The other people in the jail could have ran off. But they are obviously so impacted by this that they stayed. Why would you stay? They're going to get put back in jail. These are bad people. They stayed because they saw something. They encountered the living uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the jailer comes and gets saved. And then if you read on, he takes Paul and Silas to his house and his whole family gets saved. Yeah. I mean, talk about turning a really bad situation to God's glory. We cry out, Lord, give us, the, give us salvations. Lord, give us the thousands. Lord, give us the nations. And then we get beaten up and thrown in jail and we go, oh, God's forsaken me. Maybe he has a plan through that to bring salvation to the people around you. The very thing we've been crying out for and praying. He's working, but we don't see his hand at work. We have to be so careful about what comes out out of our mouths. The words I use frame the world in which I live. So what are you declaring over your life? What are you expecting? What are you speaking over yourself and your family and your marriage and your kids and your business and your situation? There's no natural speaking. Every time we speak, we're declaring something. Life or death, positive or negative. We don't want to be like Zechariah where God shuts up our mouth because he can't trust us to speak. I want God to be able to trust me to speak around what he's doing. Yeah. If we want God to use us and release his power through us, uh, our, our, we have to change our declaration. We have to understand the power of our declaration and change the way we speak. Would you stand with me this morning? It's all right if I pray. It's asking... Uh, my dad, if it's all right, if I pray, because the elders are the highest authority in this church. And even though I'm, I'm his son, I don't get to come in and do what I want. I'm, I, I want to submit, even as a person ministering this morning, to, hey, can we respond right now? So can we respond right now? What do you need to change? How are you going to speak differently? What do you need to begin to declare? Let me just say something before you pray, Okay. I knew he'd want to say something. That's just, why just a couple things for those of you who've been around a long time. This is not name it and claim it. This is us agreeing with God. Come on. Amen. Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses will a thing be established. Your declaration, you're either agreeing with God or you're agreeing with the devil. When you say the negative, you're, you're establishing something Negative. It's not that it just comes from, from some metaphysics concept that says what I speak happens. That was the, the excesses of some of the faith movement. But it's actually what are we agreeing with? 
Are we agreeing with what God's saying? Are we declaring God's promises? For those of you who are young and don't know any of that, wonderful, be at peace. But I just felt for some of you, you need to understand, he's not, don't hear what Matt's saying based on what you've heard in the past. That was God's word this morning, before we even started to set us free from that. What he's saying is true. The power of our declaration, because we're either agreeing with what God is saying, the promises of God, or we're agreeing with the world and the devil. Now, we, we wouldn't, none of us would actually want to agree with the, the devil, but that's exactly what we do. And what the devil wants for us becomes established because of we declare it. And by the power of two or three witnesses, we make a declaration. Sorry, go ahead. That's good. Let's respond to him this morning. There's so much. I mean, maybe it is just changing the way we communicate, the way we declare. Maybe, but maybe you're in that, that situation where you feel like you've been beaten by many blows. You're in prison. You're in that situation. There's no way you can see out of that situation. But will you still declare the promises of God? Will you still choose to praise? Because when we praise, we can't praise and complain at the same time. Lord, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for a monumental day in the life of Redemption Hills. But right now, Lord, we want to do business with you. We just thank you for your presence. We thank you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are working in lives right now, Lord, that you are changing situations right now. And we say yes to your working. We say yes to what you want to do. But we don't want to limit, Lord, what you want to do in our lives or through us, Lord, by, by our declaration, Lord by, Lord, by what we can see in the natural. Would we be people who you can trust to speak around what you're doing? Lord, the bigness of what you're doing, Lord. Lord, the audacity, Lord. Lord, the signs and wonders that, that, that don't make sense to us, Lord, but you want to do them, Lord. The salvations, not just the tens and twenties, but the thousands and the tens of thousands, Lord. Lord, whole cities coming to know you. We say yes, Lord. We say yes to your working. We say yes to your promises. Lord, right now, would you re-language us? Would you re-language us to say yes? Would you re-language us, Lord, to agree with your promises? Lord, to understand the power of our declaration, Lord, when we agree with you, Lord, that you work in miraculous and wonderful ways. Lord, I say right now, would you work in families, in marriages this morning, in miraculous and wonderful ways, in families where we're, where we're believing for salvation. Lord, we say, we declare salvation that, Lord, that this promises for us and our household in Jesus' name. Lord, for businesses, Lord, for situations that seem impossible, breakthrough in Jesus' name. Lord, would you open the floodgates of heaven over businesses this morning, Lord? Lord, Lord, would you create opportunities for your word to go forth, Lord, through kingdom businesses? Lord, those that are struggling with sickness today, where, they've been, where we've been told by doctors, this is incurable. We say this morning that in Jesus, all things are possible. That in Jesus, all things are possible. We declare healing in Jesus' name. Breakthrough 
in Jesus' name. Lord, stir faith in our heart again, not just, Lord, to believe what Google says, Lord, but to believe what your word says, not to believe just what we can see with our natural eyes, Lord, but to lay hold of what you've declared in the spirit. We say yes to you, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.